you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Yeah, man. We're, uh, we're touching on that topic again. What topic? Oh, the, the good old race issue that seems to be the we gotta reach second th- biggest issue of 2020. No, well, well we, gotta, we have a race quota. <laughs> we have a race quota. We got we to gotta have um, you know, a regularly scheduled... Um, race episode, um, but you know, and not just you know, not just, just like race, the CBC, uh, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You know what, man? I, I what I learned from um, Candice, and, and I got to talk to her afterwards, and you know, she, you know, she just said like at the end of the day, you know, we have our biases. Acknowledge your biases, and it is what it is. You can't, you know, everybody falls on a certain um, plane when it comes to, you know, your views, right? Everybody has a presupposition and. You know, we try to come at it from our economic theological perspective, and it is what it is. You know, we're, we're almost 100 episodes in, so everybody knows what, you know, pretty much what we're about and we're, what we're going to get into. Um, and of course, mm-hmm. we, and of course, like you said, you know, we, we try to, we try to um, steal man, iron man, you know, the, <laughs> the other, the opposition's position, anybody that we're in disagreements with. Cause yeah, it's not, it's not gracious, it's not kind, it's not godly to um, misrepresent the people you disagree with. So we try not to do that. And, and, and our hope is going into this episode, we're not going to do that. So today we yeah, are going no. to address the social justice leagues of America. <laughs> social justice league. I love it. I yeah. Love it. So, okay. So for the audience to our six centers, what we're doing is we're going to address, you know, the four major leagues of uh, the NHL, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and then look at uh, their social justice policies and how it's working out for them. And just off the bat, you know, and just is it working? And I, and I off the bat, I will say that donating money to causes, uh, to uh, grassroots causes, is helpful, and it and it does, and I'm sure it does, you know, make a difference according to the agenda that you're trying to achieve. But there's also well, um, fallout from some of these policies but yeah sorry go ahead joel well and and i would definitely i think i I love that you said the grassroots organizations you know because it sort of resonates with what i've always been you know i have this punchline or or go-to line um that i've said a few times on the show it's like i i think the means to resolve a lot of these um social issues in general whether it be the homelessness whether it be the racial stuff um so much of this is done through local charity or or through local programs um, as opposed to looking for a government solution. And so, you know, I think the, the grassroots point is so important for the listener to contextualize anything we say if we're in a you know, disagreement to maybe their position. Um, our, our position is more so let's look at the most effective ways to solve these problems. So a lot of times I would say our goals would resonate while we might still be critical. Does any of this surprise you that, that, you know, what we've seen in 2020 with the, the major sports leagues? 
Yes, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect any of it because, you know, everything is still unfolding. So, like for example, our first league that we're going to address is the NHL, and would you like to unpack that because that was something you brought to my <laughs> attention? Yeah, no, I mean it's it's an interesting one because of all the leagues, you know, it's the most. I'll call it whitewashed, but really it's not. I mean, there's, you know, it's it's a very uh, diverse culture in, in, in terms of hockey, what hockey, the league. Yes, because <laughs> it, it is. Well, it, for for the racist oh, who think oh. all white people are the same, you know, it's not. But but from a, you know, the number of. Yes, there's lots of Canadians, you know, it's. Hockey is 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 Canadian in in some sense, but with regards to you know the number of elite players from Sweden, Finland, Russia, right? So there's there's you know when we go into the Olympics, for example, we don't necessarily Canadians are are gold or bust for sure, but we don't go in thinking well we got this locked because you know there's five six teams at any given time that that really could could win the you know the gold in the olympics unlike you know uh american basketball teams the dream teams for the most part would you agree that it's expected that they win not anymore and, and okay yeah and i would say you know it, then it's probably similar to to canada where yeah we're the powerhouse yeah we're 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 going to be regarded as expected to finish you know one two uh you, you if you don't medal it's a complete failure but you know the reason i bring that up is to say that what is you know the culture from people from russia finland how is that anything like north american culture and so the diversity is not in their skin but in their ethnicity and their culture Okay, so what, so what was the issue with the league? So it is whitewashed, and and there is a very small minority of black or or you know people of color uh, in the league, and and I mean indigenous, same thing, right? Like I think there's been a handful of indigenous players. Jordan Tutu is the the number one that comes to my mind, which we we discussed actually on our uh, name change episode, or the name game episode. Mm-hmm. And it was almost sort of like, you know, is this ever going to be addressed in the NHL? I would, I think, there's only been one game where players took a knee, and even all the, through this, and then there was one game where Matt Dumba sort of made a speech. I think it was after I'm trying to remember when he did. At some point, he made a speech when he when two teams that weren't his team were playing and he kneeled during the national anthem. And then there was one other game where, where a couple players kneeled during the national anthem. And so, I mean, even during all of this, the, the hockey is sort of, it's just, you know, there's an, an inclusive desire. There's, there's definitely a desire to get rid of any sort of, you know, bullying or, or, and, and that's obviously more at the, the minor hockey level for whatever reason. Right. So hockey does sort of have a, de- a desire to, to you know, be inclusive. And, and I think that's an, a, a good goal, right? Like, no matter what sport, you know, you don't want, let's use basketball as sort of the inverse example. The league, from the NBA level to the, the minor, you know, they don't want any minority, whether it be the white kid or it, another, you know, ethnic minority in, in a team feeling 
excluded, right? The whole thing behind sports, I don't know about you, but like the camaraderie, the friends that I build through through sports teams, you never want those teams to then sort of have a player that they're excluding or even speaking negatively of, of opposing players in a way that's uh, crossing a line, let's call it. Right. So um, the NHL sort of had a peculiarity to it because of the HDA, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, which I don't know if it was you, Darnell, or, or someone else in our chat was like the HDA that sounds like a, a police force. Um, <laughs> so HDA stands for Hockey Diversity Alliance. Five days ago, I think it was, they they released, uh, I have an article, it would be in the show notes page. The title is, HDA cuts ties with NHL, calls the league's equity work performative. Now, I find that a very peculiar statement. And the reason I find it peculiar is, so I've got a few articles. I'll put it in the in the show notes page. I'll try to do my best to maybe organize the links by, by league because we're going to touch on a few leagues. Mm-hmm. There, there's a couple articles from uh, the post-millennial. I don't want to say that are opposed to Hockey Diversity Alliance because I don't I wouldn't take but there may be a little bit of a, a critique towards them in, in some of their articles. The reason it I, I bring it up is because they sort of have a list. Now I don't know if it was ever confirmed. They had a list of of demands or, or requests from the Hockey Diversity Alliance that for the most part the NHL didn't do. And when I look at this list, I look at this list as performative. So the one example that comes to my mind is they wanted them to change the blue line to a black line temporarily as a symbol of like, you know, awareness. Uh, yeah, awareness or just but they've, you know, they have we skate for black lives as a hashtag. You know, they had a whole bunch of things that they were rolling out. Like you know, this they wanted the black jerseys. Yeah, there was. A, they also wanted the hockey diversity logo to sort of be have an on ice presence, which to me was like they wanted uh, a free advertising. Maybe it's not free, but <laughs> yeah, but they wanted yeah. advertising for this new organization they mm-hmm, started. Mm-hmm. They wanted them to run PSAs during the playoffs for this organization, mm-hmm, and and to mm-hmm. me, I was like, those things sound performative. Now, again, I might be ignorant. Maybe there's more things that are underlying, um, but I have again. I'll put it in the show notes page. There is a public statement. Uh, from November, September 3rd, so about two weeks ago almost. And this the article that I talked about NHL cutting or the HDA cutting ties with the NHL was about a week later. There's a pretty extensive list of the things that they were trying to do, you know, with, between the NHL with Hockey Diversity Alliance, uh, diversity training for all of their, you know, uh, I think new players, current players. You know, the NHL sort of been cracking down. They created a 1-800 hotline for like, you know, let's call it whistleblowers, not just for for racism stuff, but any sort of abuse. And that's sort of, you know, related to some other bad things that happened earlier this season where like a coach kicked a player. And so there was sort of concerns about, let's say, bullying and that kind of thing. So there's there's a number of things that the NHL did. Again, I'll put the, the press release. It talked about uh, in the GTA, there was, you know, a desire to increase, you know, inclusion and... Um, I'm trying to find it in here. They establish and administer a first-of-its-kind grassroots hockey development program to provide mentorship and skill development for BIPOC boys and girls in the GTA. So to me, I'm like, that's not a performative thing that the NHL is doing. So I was, I find it a little surprising. And I think through this conversation, you'll, or through the, you know, when we touch on a couple different things, my 
concern or or sort of like what I'm seeing that I'm concerned about is sort of this, you must comply, right? So if, again, maybe I'm ignorant, maybe there's more information that we don't see, but based on what I see, it seems like, well, because the NHL didn't do everything we said, we're cutting ties. Or somebody opposes where, you know, there's a problem. You know, the post-millennial also ran an article that sort of said it was two uh, exclusive NHL players speak out about canceled games. And and the line in here that sort of, um, I think, summarizes it, it said, the first NHL player said they didn't want to, they didn't plan, so this was after the Jacob Blake shooting, uh, and all the leagues sort of shut down. It said the first NHL player said they didn't play on Thursday and Friday because they have to. If you say something, you're racist. Guys aren't racist. They want to support the black players in the league, continue the player. Journalists are turning sports political and by using it as a political platform. I don't understand what this does. The second NHL player said that there are lots of different emotions involved. It's hard to be in the other guy's shoes, but we all know that not playing isn't going to solve anything. And so it's just, you know, there's an aspect where these guys are, you know, let's say privately going to this you know, to the post-millennial or to the porter and and voicing that, like, they feel like I can't even have an opposing opinion. And so that's where the, the let's use the, I said the word comply. I mean, we'll touch on it with some of the other leagues where guys that don't wear the Black Lives Matter shirt or that don't kneel sort of are automatically sort of put in into a boat of like, oh, you're a racist, right? And so compliance becomes the, the thing that's required. So... That, that I got, I wanted to hash that out a bit with regards to the NHL because I think, you know, there's some examples that sort of show it, but I think there is, there is a concern where, oh, you have to comply with whether it's Black Lives Matter or any sort of organization, as opposed to let's engage in conversation. I would say almost any player in the NHL, if they disagree, they're not disagreeing that we want the game to be inclusive. They might disagree with the methods or the mo motives or you know feeling like hey if you did this in my you know where i grew up playing i don't see how this is going to help is a very practical sort of pushback as opposed to saying well no we don't need to worry about this problem at all and so like what we're doing here what candace malcolm told us it's the conversation about these issues that's productive and so again i hashed out so much here because i was concerned that is some of the ways that this stuff is playing out shutting down conversation to really find solutions uh, that are productive for society as a whole. So, um, you know, I think that touches on most of the NHL. Darnell, was there anything about the NHL stuff that I shared with you that was surprising or that, that you think the listener should know about? So, for example, the, the score article, it said that from the HDA and it said that we have waited many months for a response to the common sense HDA pledge we proposed, and it is clear that the NHL is not prepared to make any measurable commitments to the to end systemic racism in hockey. And so, for me, when I when I read that, I thought, I think the NHL is being blackmailed, pun intended. <laughs> the so the NHL uh, like is an easy target because it's a predominantly white sport that has a good minority of uh, black players. So if the only crime the NHL has committed is the lack of diversity, then there should be an HDA in the NBA to balance that out. Yeah, with a W in front of it. 
white okay. <laughs> diversity alliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that, that's that's what I was thinking. But uh, let's move on to the NFL. So obviously the NFL is, you know, the home of or former home of Colin Kaepernick, which to some extent starts all the the kneeling. Yeah, but but the I think I think going into their this season um and them trying to uh be more woke, I guess, is that they implemented the Black National Anthem. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. on opening night they played it. Um the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs, uh they I believe they um they they stood for the national anthem and the black national anthem. But I believe the Chargers, it was the Chargers they were playing, I believe. Um the Chargers didn't they didn't come out for the national anthem or the black national anthem as a sign of unity. According to some reports, there was a lot of booing in the stadium. And it's funny because you just on the issue of the black national anthem and the kneeling and stuff like that, um I personally take offense to it. In the sense that, in what sense? You know, not all black people are the same, and not all black people um, think sorry, the same. Um, sorry, what what part are you taking? You're taking offense that they're calling it the Black National Anthem, that they're incorporating it as like that a- they're incorporating it. Yeah. So, so my concern is just like for that. I've read statements where you know there's black people saying, "Well, that's not my national anthem. My national anthem is the Star Spangled Banner." Um, in O Canada. So, what what song are uh, for the listener who who's Unaware. Oh, it's called uh, Lift Every Voice, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Lift Every Voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, and, and it bothers me because, like, as a Canadian and as I continue to study and, and the shows help me uh, renew my love for my country. And as you get older and you start to become more of a, a, a citizen who gets involved in, in your country, you start to appreciate it. And so, for me, taking a knee bothers me. Because I, because I, I don't see a correlation between taking a knee and um, fixing the wrongs in society. The bottom line is this for me: that no, no country's perfect. Every country has blood on their hands. So if you're gonna kneel for every country that has blood on the hands, then there's no, no one's ever gonna stand for any anthem, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, it, like, so it doesn't make sense. We're, we're all full of sinners. There's always gonna be, you know, errors or mistakes, and and some of them, you know, like slavery. You know, in the way it was in the U.S., maybe more grave of errors or more significant errors. But I think your point is that, you know, there's always going to be failure. There's always going to be sin. There's always going to be, to some extent, injustices that need to be undone or or resolved because that's what happens in a fallen world. Yeah. Yeah. And even just like, you know, just singing the Canadian National Anthem, because even when I'm in my class um, with my students, and they play the national anthem and you know my windows open my classroom windows open and the flag i can see the flag and it's blowing in the wind the sun is shining and i'm hearing the national anthem and and you know the kids the kids don't the kids don't sing it and it's weird cuz even like the national anthem i don't know if this happens at anybody else's school but they only play the instrumental they don't actually play uh the actual singing to the words of the song and so, mm-hmm. so I will, I'll sing, I'll sing out loud the national anthem and, you know, be like, oh, Canada and so forth. And we stand on guard for thee from far and wide. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. And even as I sing and I think about the times where I've been 
sick and I'd had to go to the hospital. And I know, Joel, you're not a fan of uh, the universal health care, but, you know, it, it came through for me, man. <laughs> you know, and just uh, how beautiful our country is and how wonderful it is and how beautiful our winners are and so forth. You know, it almost makes me tear up inside when I when I sing the song and, and I look at the flag and I'm so grateful and humble. And so it really bakes my biscuits when I see not so much Americans taking the knee, but Canadians taking the knee for the national anthem. So I understand the booing. Even when I see like the Raptors do it, um, I just get heated, man. And I and I see Kyle Lowry doing it. And I'm just like, man, ooh, come on, man. Yeah. Don't come on, man. Yo, kneel for your anthem. <laughs> kneel for your anthem. Don't kneel for mine, bro. <laughs> so, yeah. so. <laughs> well, and, and I think, you know, this is, you know, not, not that we're going to go down this road, but like you're sort of touching on the conversation about sort of the 1619 project and then um, there's a new one, 1776 something that sort of, you know, questions like, you know, what is the origins of the U.S. and, and you know, what is the origins of the country? You know, the, the line I heard, um, I think it was on CrossPolitik recently, was as much as slavery was, you know, part of America's founding, the way America was founded and, and the principles that were underlying are the, the claim they made was that th that is the only country that could have abolished slavery. Or, or in other words, if they didn't set it up the way they did, slavery would never, never been abolished because of its, its freedom and inalienable rights sort of underlying everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I say that just to say that if your view is, well, because of how America was founded, we were able to abolish slavery versus 1619 Project sort of perspective, um, which is, you know, America is inherently racist or, or built on the backs of slavery and, and whatnot. So I, I think you're sort of having pride in what our country and the trajectory we're going is good. And I think it's such a... You know, for those that hold such a negative view and they, they're willing to pro... I, I, I mean, I guess the question is, can they hold a really positive view and still protest the, the national anthem? It sort of seems, and maybe I'm wrong, but do you sort of feel like I, you don't quite understand their position if it's not anti or, or negative towards that country? I believe that they have the freedom to take the knee. They have the freedom to do that. Uh, I'm just saying that based on no country having a perfect history, you know, what, what's the standard for when we do stand or are uh, we going to, are we going to raise a generation of kids who are going to take the knee? But the other side of the NFL uh, social justice uh, movement within the league is that players are wearing the names of deceased black people who've been, uh, who died at the hands of police. And so there was a, a situation that happened with this uh, fella, young fella named Antoine Rose Jr., uh, and he was shot by police. And so there was a player on the pit, and this 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 happened in Pittsburgh. And so the players on the Pittsburgh Steelers were wearing the names on the back of their um, helmets. And so uh, one of the players put tape <laughs> over Antoine Rose Antoine Rose Jr.'s name. Uh, because after, you know, he did some research on the person, uh, he, he found out that, yeah, he was he was actually part of a crime. 
And so the way how this case unfolds is this young man, Antoine Rose Jr., uh, was in a drive-by shooting. And so the police tracked down the car and basically they tracked down the car and Junior uh, tried to uh, tried to flee the scene. And as he was running away, the police shot him. Yeah, and he died. And so so when the player heard that, wait, hold on, wait, he was in a drive-by shooting. So like he isn't like um, a martyr or, you know, a black kid who was, you know, on his way to school or whatever the case may be, then he's just like, uh, no, I'm going to put a piece of tape over it and then put a name of a war victim or a war a soldier or a veteran on the back of his helmet. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think uh, it says, so the guy's name was Alwyn Cash, and Cash was posthumously, which I think he means died, awarded the Silver Star for heroism after his death at 35 while on duty in Iraq. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, so he's saying that yeah, that 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 kid is not. And it's funny, Joel, when I when I when I was doing my research and I looked up because I don't I don't I never knew this case. This happened in 2018, and so I wasn't familiar with this case. And when I was uh, researching it, dude, the first, when the kid's face popped up on 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 my, you know my screen, I, I was like, yo, he's a he's a child. Antoine Rose mm -hmm. is a child. Like mm -hmm. he, he does no facial yeah, yeah. hair. Like I'm just like, yo, so wait a minute. Yo, this guy's a baby. Yeah, I know. You type it type in Anton Rose Jr. into to Google. Yeah. And you just hit it's, images and you'll see like he's a child. Yeah. Straight up child. Yeah. Looks looks it, but the other, so young. But the other guy who was in the car with him who actually did the shooting, yeah, he looks like a baby as well. And like, you know, no facial hair, and you're just like, yo, what are you what are you guys doing? Um, I say all that to say this that the problem that many people have and i'm sure it's not just me that people have with, with social justice in regards to you know black people dying at the hands of white officers is that it's framed as a moral absolute that the equation is you know white officer plus black person equals injustice racism and that's the math but that's not an and, 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 and we treat that as an as an absolute principle but that's not that's not justice you know what i mean we well, have yeah go ahead i was gonna say like there's there's a principle that i've sort of proposed i think a few times where it's like we want just justice enforcement right and so what does that look like is is a fair question and i think if you look at you know we'll have an article from the post gazette uh which is in pittsburgh post gazette that that sort of breaks down the uh, court case for the mm -hmm. officer, mm -hmm. and and he was found not guilty, and and there's some, you know, lines in there that speak to what you know what was the criteria for whether or not the police officer was justified in his actions, mm -hmm. and really is he justified in using force? You know, I'll read this paragraph. So. Under Pennsylvania law, police officers are justified in using force when they believe it is necessary to prevent death or serious injury to themselves or others. So risk of death, I can use lethal force. Or if they believe it necessary to prevent a suspect's escape from arrest, that suspect, the law continues, must have committed or attempted to commit a forcible felony and pose a danger to human life. And so because this child, Anton Rose, was a suspect for a drive-by shooting, he he's now in that category of, you know, the type of a suspect where 
lethal force could be justified. And so I, you know, that's something where I think if someone really has an issue with the outcome of the court case, you have to say, well, I think the law is, is wrong. And my question would, that I would suppose is, okay, how would you change the law? How would you make the law more just? Now, we've already done an episode on police and, and there are needs to reform police. But if you took the principles of, let's say, apprehending someone who's committed murder, well, what, what, is, what is just in that scenario? And I look at that law going, okay, I can kind of see some problems with it, but I don't know what the answer is as to how it should change. So I just bring that up because I think it's it's important to sort of see that the police are operating in, you know, rule, arguably trying to follow the rules. Obviously, some of them don't, and that's a different problem. But if the, the officer is following what they are told is, here's how you're allowed to operate, and then they commit murder while following the rules, or, or someone dies, I should say, while they follow the rules... If you want to classify it as murder, you have to demonstrate that they either acted outside the rule or you need to now take issue with the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, as well said, Joel. I think uh, the way how, because this, this really bothered me because I, I didn't know about this this kid. And then it, th- this situation reminded me of uh, Breonna Taylor. In that, um, I the, the situation has reminded me of the same because, you know, I try to be gracious and, and, and I'm going to assume that Antoine wasn't the shooter, um, but his boy was and whatever the case may be. But it goes back to a principle my dad taught me from when I was little. And he always tell me like, you know, you got to be careful of the guys you roll with because the trouble that they bring will come to you. And so, mm. yeah, you have, you have to use wisdom when you're looking at the people you're rolling with. Uh, Breonna Taylor, um, which is an unfortunate incident, but, the police were have been watching her boyfriend and his friends and yeah. so forth. So even though she might not have been involved, like the fact that you know, you know, you're you're you know you're dating a bad boy, like like what did you think was going to happen? Well, and if I'm not mistaken, I think there was like her phone was like wiretapped and yes, like yes, literally so, have yes. audio her saying, yes. "If you come here, I know the cops will come here." Yes, right. right. So like, and again, not at all. We're not trying to like dismiss that there might be issues involved. But I think your point about the company you keep, clearly she knew keeping that company came with risks. Yes. And so the same thing with, with Rose, you know, you're with guys like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, let's say, let's say he needed a ride home, right? From the time mm-hmm. those guys, you know, started shooting out the window, you should have been like, uh, uh, you know what? You guys can let me off right here. I'm out. Uh, stop the car. Yeah. Like, yo, yo, Kevin, Tyreek, yo, stop the car, man. I'm out. I'm out of here. And even then, even then, like, you know what? I don't know, man. It's weird. Protect your neck. Well, you know what, man? This is the thing, man. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm the smartest black person in the world or or the most street smart. But there's, there's rules to this. There's rules to this that if the police come or you're in a situation, yo, you cannot run. If you're innocent, why are you running? Like, 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 yeah. like, come on, man. Like it's, it's basic. It's basic. Math. If, if you're in a car that, that just had a shootout, the police come and then you're going to hop out the car and then, and then take off and start running. Well, well, come on, man. What, what, what did you think was going to happen? 
You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In, and it's the same situation um, that happened with uh, Jacob Blake, right? And that shooting um, where he, he got shot in the back and, and is now paralyzed. See, these are the things where the police tell you to stop, stop. And I think the problem is, Joel, I think, you know, we're in, we, we want the police to be our mom and dad. We want them to be our Sunday school teacher. And, abundantly and, gracious well, well no well like no offense no offense to you as a dad but yo you guys are soft you're soft yeah oh yeah right because I mean, like you, you, you like it's hard to you, not because like show too much grace well you, for a but, lot of yeah parents. because like yeah because yeah, people want the police to be there they want the police officer to be like a dad to the kid like a mom yo this is not this is not how it works because at some point like the police have to use force, right? It's and 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 they want the police to be, you know, your gym teacher and your math teacher. But but the police aren't going to do too much talking. They're going to tell you to to put down the gun. They're going to tell you to stay in your spot. And if you don't move, you're going to get stomped out. If your mom tells you, "Hey, so and you know, Junior, don't move. Hey, um, put put the garbage out," and your kid doesn't do it, well, your kid's not going to get stomped out. They're not going to get yelled at. They're not going to get manhandled. That, and, and for many parents, whatever punishment you threaten, you might not even execute. Anyway. Yeah, you're not even going to. No, and this is no disrespect to any of the parents listening, but you know what it is. You you guys know what it is. <laughs> My generation, nobody beats their kids. Let, let's just let's just call a spade a spade. Unless if I'm wrong, please message me. Inbox me outdoor. I won't tell CAS. <laughs> message me and be like hey, hey Darnell, I, st- I still beat my kids but nobody in our generation <laughs> nobody in our generation none of my peers nobody that i know walking in crisis beating their kids nobody well, man, you, i mean you have forget beating your kids you have you know now it's a conversation of should i even spank my kids well no now. yeah no that's but no hold on stop stop that that's exactly what i mean man and and, and exactly. the point the point i'm making is that it's 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 weird now when the police have to draw a gun and stomp you out like it's weird. Well, it's weird to us now. Like, oh wait, so my son was being disobedient, and now you gotta, you know, now you gotta draw a gun on him. Like, hell yeah, this is not a game. And all I'm saying, Joel, is just that as a black person, you're raised and you're and you're taught, you know, the rules of the street. Um, you get the talk, and and your parents tell you, like, look, man, police pull you over, chill, chill. Yep. Right. I mean, I had that talk. Yeah. Well, like my right. dad's like, make sure they can always see your hands. You know, like put both hands on the wheel when they're coming up to your car. Like, right, you know, right. But like, but this but is, this is just the, wisdom. Yes, right? but like, people aren't. Yeah, but people aren't seeing that. Be, no, but people aren't 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 interpreting those things. That it's it's just automatically you get the equation of white officer, black person, black person dies equals injustice and racism. And 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 Sam say said it best, especially for Christian Christians. Sam say said it best on on, on one of his blogs. It's called "It's Not Justice to Be to Justify Criminals," and he says this. It's not justice to justify the wicked, and it's not justice to condemn the innocent. It's not justice to justify criminals like Jacob Blake. It's not justice to condemn good police officers. It's not just an injustice. It's an abomination before the Lord. And then he has Proverbs 17, 15, and it says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord, mm-hmm. right? And, and 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 this it's is got the, so much fire. Yeah, but see, but this is the thing, right? Because like when as Christians, and again, and this is why we started the show, because like at some point, I can't talk to unbelievers, because unbelievers gonna do unbeliever things, but Christians have to do Christian things. So, like it says in in Leviticus nineteen fifteen, in the context of 
being in a court case. And it says this, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Meaning that you shouldn't show favor to police officers and you shouldn't show justice um, to the black person. So the law, like you said, no, but historically oppressed. Yes, but yes, but but you made the good point that you know the law is the law and the way it stands. If you have a problem with the law, then 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 you have to uh, put all your eggs in the basket of of judicial reform. And so when we make comments on social media or um, we we give our commentary, we have to remember that there's still an integrity that God calls us to. So when you flip to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 18 and 19, and he talks about us giving a witness and a commentary onto judicial issues or judicial cases. And he says this, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 19 and um, 18, and it says, the judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother so you shall purge the evil from your midst meaning that the the condemnation that you dish out if you're wrong in your assessment of what you thought you saw or you think you know then you should get the same penalty as that person so the default is for us to be able to, to 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 keep our mouth shut and wait for the pieces to fall and be able to assess and, and look at the evidence and then and then make a judgment. But it seems like, again, you, you, you get the social justice equation of black, white officer, black person equals injustice. Yeah, they're, they're making judgments without all the all the facts. Yes. And, and, and I, I mean, I, I, you said uh, something there. I, I interpreted the scripture saying if you're intentionally making a false claim towards someone, now the punishment should go towards you um that that was due to them if if sort of essentially if you're trying to abuse the legal system now what you're saying sort of falls into this weird in between right so it's people are passing judgment or or claiming that they should be judged a certain way or i.e you know white officer therefore you know he's a murderer because the black guy was shot when you don't have all the facts in order to actually present the the case to make the claim oh this was even murder and so it's, you know, that snap judgment, the quick to, you know, jump to a conclusion, you know, there's, I think, you know, the law is sort of slightly removed from that scenario, but but the idea of making false claims is a significant issue in the Bible is, I think, what we can draw. Mm-hmm. And, and so don't be quick to make such false claims when you don't know all the facts. Yeah, but part of it too is, you know, in this, for the sake of, the court of public opinion and virtue signaling mm. uh people feel the need to um like that mob mentality they feel the need to to um get with the hashtag or get with this particular post and so forth as opposed to um sitting back waiting and and and, and assessing what's going on and this is what happened with major league baseball because now major league baseball is you know being accused of not being woke enough or social justice enough and they haven't been doing enough uh and what was the article that we had so uh, it's from Bleacher Report. The yes. headline it was it was June fifth. So mm-hmm. to be fair, uh, it was before the season. You know the the summer COVID season started. So before they did any of the stuff that they did this year, mm-hmm. the article is uh, by Scott Miller. Its title is "Once a Leader of Social Justice, MLB is Now Embarrassing, Embarrassingly Behind the Times." 
and they're referring to Jackie Robinson and um, the integration of black people into the major league baseball. Yeah, as as part of them being once a leader. And I don't know, man, the article to me seemed a little bit sort of activism, right? Trying to like prong the MLB to do more. You know, they even sort of like trolled them on a comment where, you know, the NHL tweeted out three days earlier than the MLB did. It's like, I don't know. To me, it just seemed a little a little bit of trolling, a little bit of like provocating, provocateering in order to make the MLB act as opposed to, let's call it objective reporting. Now, yeah. obviously, it's Bleacher Report, so it's sports-based, and how, I'm not like I'm going to expect the greatest uh, objective reporting. Yeah, but, there, but but I think I think the principle uh, that 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 I'm seeing is that the silence is violence principle, and and so if you're not if you're silent and you're not loud enough, then it looks like you're complying. So you ha- you feel the need to, um, when a situation happens, you want to be the first to um, jump on that. But again, because this is, this has to do with the judicial system and, you know, as kind of like that euphemism, you know, you have to let justice take its course. And because of the swift justice people are looking for, it's not happening. Yeah. But- and I mean, you know, the, just to give MLB MLB its due, there's a, well, I'll put it in the show notes page. So that article, as well as a CNN one saying baseball is making Black Lives Matter center stage on opening day. So shortly after or a month and a half after that article, the current environment rolled out the way it did. And, and you know, MLB was like all the other leagues to some extent in, in terms of uh, lots of, you know, symbolic actions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about the NBA now? Yeah, the, the NBA is, uh, you know, obviously your specialty. Um, I'll say the the there's an interesting what one of the things I found interesting about NBA, you know, sort of leading up to this was the China issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, essentially censoring speaking out against injustices in China. Uh, I'll have a a show notes link for that one for anyone who's unaware. And then the second was there before the league, you know, so because all the players had the the messages on their jerseys, uh, there's an NBA player, Spencer DeWindy. Dinwiddie. 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 Who wanted to put trillions on the back of his jersey or, or trillion not true if it was plural or not, but trillion, just trillion. He's got a tweet basically saying, I'm wondering if what I'm going to put on my back of my jersey, hmm, it'll be trillion. And he's referencing the Federal Reserve and the amount of government spending uh, and and the, the serious or what he considers to be a serious social issue, the, the government debt. He obviously was not allowed to, to use the platform for that purpose. So to me, you know, those are the two things that sort of stood out to me in sort of controversial in that, hey, wait, you're you're allowed to have some messages, but not others. And, you know, the, the censorship uh, to me is sort of uh, intriguing with regards to China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just in, in the context of what's going on right now with the NBA and social justice. So Adam Silver released a statement saying that basically going into the new season, the NBA is going to dial down uh, from 
the symbols, the social justice symbols that we're seeing now. And so he said, I would say in terms of the messages you see on the court and on our jerseys, this was an extraordinary moment in time when we began these discussions with the players and what we all lived through this summer. My sense is there will be, there'll be somewhat a return to normal, normalcy, that those messages will largely be left to be delivered off the floor. And I understand those people who are saying, and this is key, and I understand those people who are saying, I'm on your side, but I want to watch a basketball game. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, that's definitely, um, you know, for, for I, I'm thinking people like you and me, you know, we, we talk about politics a lot. We think about politics a lot. To be honest, I absolutely hate politics. So do funny. I. So do I. Like, the, the only reason I talk about it is because other people want to use politics to control how I live. And so now it becomes something I, as much as I hate it, have to deal with. So going to sports is a place where, I don't want to deal with this. I already deal with it in other places like this podcast or, or you know, uh, different conversations like the fact I'm trapped in my house all the time with COVID. You know, these things, politics is already so embedded in my life one way or another. I go to sports as a means to get away from that. Um, so I definitely resonate with that statement that he's saying at the very end. I understand uh, those people who are saying I'm on your side, but I want to watch a basketball game. Yeah. Right. So, uh, hey, yeah, I recognize there might be issues we need to work through, but can can we allow players who have a platform to use their platform when they're not playing sports? Yeah. Um, uh, Jamil Giovanni, a host of tonight with Jamil Giovanni on News Talk 1010. He's a government of Ontario's advocate for community opportunities, and he had a very very good quote uh, uh, that he posted on on Twitter. And he said, if sloganeering leads to social change, why is the NBA planning to stop using slogans on their courts and jerseys next season? If parroting the same old talking points helps disadvantaged communities, uh, why not keep going in this direction? Right. And, and so essentially what he's getting at is, well, if you, you know, if you guys are really, uh, if, the names on the back of the jerseys really is bringing about change and the emblems on the court is really bringing about change, then why would you stop? Well, of course, well, Adam Silver tells you why they stopped because there's people who don't like it. And of course he didn't talk about how it's probably affecting his pocketbook, but generally um, there are people that don't like it. And, and of course, because that spits politics as usual. So you can see, especially as NBA, who's, who's the leader, I think, I don't know if anybody would disagree, but the NBA is the leader in regards to uh, players' um, activity and social movement, uh, social justice movement. And, and, and so all the leagues have kind of followed suit with what the NBA has been doing. And I'm sure that as the NBA dials back, the other leagues will dial back. And they'll say, well, it's the reason why the NBA is probably dialing back is because they're losing money. And we don't want to lose money either, right? So we kind of see, yeah, that well, and, money and matters. Just to, to go down the money road, I mean, it's an interesting dilemma, right? Because, you know, they lost money because government shut down the league slash they shut down themselves with all the COVID. And so there's there's a, a financial predicament that those leagues are finding themselves in. And I did a little bit of research, but, you know, I'm no expert on like, let's call it TV ratings. But in general, 
you know, it looks like a lot of the leagues are, are sort of their numbers aren't great. And that might just be the fact that they're all playing at the same time. Whereas, you know, to some extent, you know, the, the timing of games and everything is different now. So, you know, the economic principle that comes into mind, I think you said in the last show, compared to what, right? So, yeah, the, the TV ratings look like they're down. The viewership numbers look like they're down. But if you're compared to what is compared to last season, the question is, is that a fair benchmark? And and I don't know that it is because, you know, for I know basketball was the same, NHL was the same. You know, they're playing how many games in a day when normally people would have been at work. Now, obviously, some a lot of people more are at home with all this craziness going on. But how does that affect viewership? How does that because it's in the summer when the NHL players are playoffs are going on or NBAs are playing when you know, MLB is is sort of wrapping up its season. You know, diff, you know, so there's it's just such a different environment that it's hard to judge. You know, but I do know. I think the for the the NBA, it sounded like the numbers were coming in, sort of like I want to say twenty to fifty percent below where they were before. So the previous low was for a game two was like eight point six million in two thousand and three. And uh, game two had six point nine for the the Lakers uh, Heat game game two. So you know, yeah, twenty five percent I think is is well not quite, but yes, yeah, about the fifteen percent range mm-hmm. in okay. terms of drop. So I mean, you would think if anything, maybe viewership is going to go up because all these people are at home and nothing to do. And you know, I the question I have is, let's say, is there another factor? Is there a factor that because I can't go to the stadium, you're sort of losing some of your fans because the the fact that they were local and they could come to the event, you know, that drove some of the fandom. Obviously, all the leagues want the fans back in the building, but but arguably that could be a reason why the percentages are down and it has nothing to do with these messages. You know, it, it's in economics and, you know, in reality, the only true comparison is the alternative universe where this is the only factor that was changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we don't have that. So, you know, I just bring that up to say, if anyone's presenting the argument, well, go, you know, clearly the numbers are down, therefore get woke, go broke is, is you know, true. I, I would say these numbers are a lot harder to judge and, and sort of validate such claims. Mm-hmm. So then what's your two cents on this whole thing? I, I think, you know, the the, the statement by... Hockey Diversity Alliance about performative is is really important because I think it's important because I I feel like so much of this is performative. It's it's about virtue signaling that I'm on the same side as the other, you know, on on whatever I deem as morally correct. And and that applies to both sides of of some of these issues. And the reason I bring that up is you know, there's the, the idea of like unconscious bias training or diversity training that, that the Hockey Diversity Alliance was talking about. And for the most part, a lot of these, you know, let's call them programs that people want to put out there, they, they, in my opinion, they are virtue signal. They are performative because, you know, just take the concept of an unbiased, unconscious bias training. If it is an unconscious bias, that means when you go to make a decision, you don't even realize that that bias is there. So if you're telling them, you know, if the training is supposed to make unconscious bias conscious, 
to me, that's sort of peculiar. And and sort of the data does sort of su- support that a lot of times this training isn't isn't really that meaningful. I got a few articles I can put in the show notes page. I'll decide whether or not I do because I'm, I'm I have like 28 links that <laughs> I'm probably not going to put them all in. But there's a line here at the bottom that I think is so so valuable in, in the one from Capex, and that the the article is called Unbi- Unconscious Bias Training is No Way to Solve Ethnic Disparities, and it says ethnic disparities is are a serious social problem, and serious problems deserve serious solutions. As it stands, structurally oriented solutions should be taken more seriously than fashionable unconscious bias training. And so in one of these articles, it talked about, you know, uh, let's say hiring practices. Rather than try to train people to avoid their unconscious biases, try to implement things to remove the ability for unconscious biases to play a role. So the example being like, removing names from resumes when people are reviewing them or you know other things that you can do to protect, to to strip away any ability for an unconscious bias to play a factor and so this is where i know diversity training is sort of a, a random rabbit trail within this whole conversation mm-hmm. that i went down but for me it's like you know we talk about it all the time right effective solutions right Doing something that you think is like unconscious bias training, you might be well motivated, right? You think there's an issue. We want to we want to create change, but the the thing or the program or the initiative or whatever it is that just because it has good motivations doesn't mean it's a good program. A lot of well intentioned programs absolutely suck. Like a lot of the unconscious bias training or diversity training. And, and so I, I feel like it's a good example because there's, there's plenty of articles that say it just doesn't work. And, you know, some people would be like, well, that's because everybody's just racist and they don't want to deal with it. Okay. That's sort of a, you know, confirming your own bias as opposed to looking at things objectively and fair. And the reason I say that is, you know, this is stuff we need to have conversations about. And, and that's why I read that last line. If they're, if these are serious social problems, they deserve serious solutions. The only way you get to that is through conversation and digging into the data and doing things, you know, like way back when uh, we had Stefan on the show, we were talking about, you know, delimiting data and, and controlling for variables. Because until you can really isolate cause and effect, creating a solution potentially is just, a hypothesis as opposed to a confirmed causal factor that when you fix it will actually reap positive benefits. What about you for, for the listener? What's the two cents you want to leave them with? I think that, you know, people, people watch sports to get away from politics, right? Cause people uh, hate politics more than they like sports. <laughs> right. So so social so social justice um, is politics. Therefore, it's not an open and shut case. It's polarizing by its very nature. I think uh, sports leagues are not institutions for social change. They're businesses. Right. Businesses built for entertainment. Uh, so they have an ulterior motive for virtue sig- signaling. And so what we see, what we learn from Jesus is that he says, OK, do not judge by outward appearances and start judging justly, 
right? As we see in John chapter seven, verse 24, right? Using right judgment. So just because a player or a league is peddling um, a particular ideology, um, a, uh, a supposed virtue that doesn't make them right. So I'd finish with James chapter one, verse 19, which is crucial, right? My beloved brothers, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Mm. It's good. It's good. What, I... Well, what's well, well what, what's your two cents, guys? Six centers. Where are you at? I mean, let us hear from you. Yeah, give, give us your two cents. Facebook, Twitter, Six Sense Report, Six Sense Report at gmail.com. Give us a review. Yeah, like, share. That uh, d- definitely, uh, we definitely would appreciate that. Appreciate what? The, the, basically, going on to, to your podcast platform and, and just uh, give us a comment, give us a review of any support or, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, what, it, what you like about the show. I mean, obviously, we prefer it if you don't tell us how much we suck on in the review in a one star <laughs> but but i mean you know those that's what we wanted to hear an email about tell us tell us what you didn't like tell us what we can do better um you know we, we're 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 uh we're here for the people you know we don't just do this for to puff ourselves up we we sort of want to engage the issues uh, that the audience wants to hear about and and if we're not doing that well or we don't come correct we want to know yeah no yeah most definitely and uh again Thank you for everybody for your su- support thus far. Um, our numbers are getting better. Our subscribers are are um, increasing. are increasing, which is which is good. Uh, and we're coming up on our hundredth episode, so so far so good. Um, we'll keep doing this to the to the wheels fall off. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and yeah, six cents makes change. But you heard me. Does that make sense? I hear-